welcome everybody to another episode of Break the Rules, and we are breaking the rules today with Joel Davis, with Dario Rahim. They are going to be battling one another in reverse. So one side is going to be for uh, nationalism, which is Dario, and the other side is going to be for globalism, which is going to be Joel. And before we get started, can you please tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and in brief your own views before you uh, put the mask on, so to speak? All the new people, subscribe right now. See, we got him. We got him. We got him. Subscribe right now. Anyway, let's start with Joel and then Dario. Go for it, my friend. Um, so, uh, I am the editor of firstness.org, which is like an experimental, uh, political theory publication. We only have one issue so far, hopefully next issue is coming out late May. Um, and, uh, I also- How do you spell that, Joel? Sorry to interrupt. How do you spell that? Your magazine? Uh, firstness. I'm going to put that into the chat right now so everybody could see it. Yeah. Firstness. Firstness. Firstness.org. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I, I kind of like vaguely identify with the nationalist label, but I wouldn't consider myself a kind of standard nationalist. Uh, but yeah, why not? Uh, I'll right. still, I still believe in the nation state as a, I'm still side with the nation state as opposed to whatever the hell globalism uh, generally is kind of associated with in popular vernacular. So, Excellent. Now let's go to Dario. Take it away. Yeah, hey everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Dario. Um, I honestly, I'm, I'm at this point in time. I'm mostly interested in, uh, or more interested, I guess, in philosophy uh, rather than like politics and uh, and policy. Um, I used to do a lot of that, um, but I think I've come to the realization that I think a lot of that springs from people's philosophies. So I'm uh, I'm trying to learn a bit, read a bit about that. Um, uh, I guess on this show, I'll be arguing for nationalism. Um, and I guess I'll be doing primarily so from like a philosophical point of view. Um, and I myself do not necessarily ascribe to those views. Um, I guess I, I am more in the, I, I don't know what people like the common vernacular for like a globalist is, um, but I definitely do believe in uh, sort of having a, a global society, uh, open borders, um, those kinds of things generally. So, yeah. So I think uh, it would also be prudent, since you mentioned global society, open borders, to say a little bit more about the definition of how you would uh, define globalism, Dario, and how you would define nationalism, and then the same for Joel before we actually get started. And also, here is the poll I posted in the chat over here. This is the poll. Please take the poll to vote. Not right now but after they actually start making their points, you know, because we already have people, as you can see, it's 50-50 of these assholes, 14 votes before this thing even started. But anyway, once it gets started, then I want to see some, vote, some votes over here. So anyway, let's start with you, Dario. Continue on, just define globalism, the nationalism, how you see it in brief, and same thing with Joel. Sure. Um, I guess um, maybe nationalism is the easiest one uh, to define. I think nationalism uh, I would define as uh, primarily putting an emphasis on the the nation or the nation state uh, of which you exist, um, putting uh, the needs of those sort of uh, ahead of sort of the the global uh, global society, like global cooperation, um, those kinds of things. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily like um, completely shutting off. From everything, um, I don't think that most nationalists would argue like complete, like just zero uh, communication. 
uh, but definitely like putting your own nation's interests far above like everybody else. Um, and I would say globalism is is uh, sort of, I guess, the opposite of that uh, to some degree. Um, um, sort of um, existing in like a global society and realizing that um, we all exist on the same planet. Um, so, so trying as much as possible to, through global like economic cooperation and policy, sort of structuring uh, a better world for for most people, um, and not necessarily just focusing on the sort of the personal needs of, of like each individual nation. Excellent. Joel, do you agree with that assessment so that we could just have a uh, common definition of the terms here? Uh, I would probably clarify as well that uh, it's more about uh, the kind of institutional uh, structure of political power. So nationalism, the like at physical, like the actual nation state would kind of be the dominant political power, whereas globalism would predicate some kind of international post uh, state or post national um, political order in which, you know, political sovereignty is actually uh, uh, di distributed in a fundamentally different way. So you'd have to have some kind of international organizations like the UN, or the IMF or the World Bank or, or various other international uh, bureaucratic or political institutions that have the ability to kind of tell national governments what to do or supervene upon the, the will of national governments. Excellent. So uh, to get started over here, I think it would uh, make sense to now that we have a good definition, let's start with uh, let's start with uh, Dario. And Dario, can you as a fervent nationalist to let's say, break it down into let's say the internal laws first? Can you advocate for us why it would be important for uh, there to be, you know, a uh, specific set of laws for the individual nation states as opposed to uh, having an overall system of laws for the entire world? Um, sure. I mean, we, we could start there. Um, so, so I think uh, an important, so from a national perspective, I think an important part of what constitutes a nation um, in, in to any degree is sort of its ability for sovereignty its ability to put forth its own rules and regulations and laws that apply to its citizens um, and i think once you um sort of dip into a globalist uh, perspective in terms of uh, lawmaking um, and cooperation um, you sort of lose sovereignty over um, what you can do with uh, your people that sounds good. And as far as uh, uh, Joel, I think uh, you can now go and uh, explain the opposite. Why do you see uh, globalism being the way to go as far as uh, taking away the ability for countries to make their uh, own decisions, their own set of laws? Um, well, uh, as a Eurocentric uh, white supremacist, you know, I believe that the values of the Enlightenment um of you know democracy human rights trans rights homosexual rights women's rights um are more important than the culture or um, ethnic specificity of any one nation and so i believe that an international conspiracy of sorts should organize itself 
uh, to impose its will upon the world's population, regardless of whether it likes it or not, and completely supervene upon their capacity to have their own culture, their own way of politically organizing, and instead be totally dominated, but in the same sense liberated by the you know the liberal uh, enlightenment values that my people have imposed upon the world to the world's benefit. Um, Why is it to the world's benefit? Uh, you know, because, you know, it, it's really good for optimizing capital allocation. And because I don't believe that there's any inherent value to the, the human soul outside of being optimized for economic efficiency. Um, I believe that by kind of subordinating the entire this world to the logic Jonathan of... Swift here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I believe that it's subordinating the, subordinating the entire world to the cold, hard logic of... of uh, you know, moving labor to capital and capital to labor with no constraints. Um, this will optimize the industrial system and bring us closer to the technological singularity at which, um, you know, humanity can be superseded by some kind of AI robotics interface um, that can be completely purged of any kind of these, you know, silly nationalistic notions like having a, having a soul or having moral values or what have you, uh, but can instead just, you know, produce at, at a far more efficient and um, rate so that, you know, the people that have capital invested in this machinery can extract the maximum uh, profit. All right, wise guy. Here's what we did in our previous streams. All the people who did these, you know, consider the point of the other person, they did try to go as deep as they could to actually extract something that they themselves would actually have a hard time disagreeing with. Just as a goof, try to do that right now. From, uh, okay, uh, okay. Yes, as a goof. <laughs> I mean, no, okay. Uh, so I mean, I'll be, I'll, this is going to be a meme. I... <laughs> Some weird masochism we created on Break the Rules. <laughs> <laughs> My God. can't believe uh, it. I uh, went uh, from what? arguing with femcells on Twitter to this. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Chaos Prime got a good mask for this one. He has the Bane mask? Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> I clicked right back on the screen like a Bane mask. No one paid attention to me until I put the mask on. Comments. I went and got my Bane mask. Yes. So anyway, Joe, try one more time in brief just to like take yeah, if okay. you were in the other person's shoes. Take like, it seriously. Like the best faith. Yeah. Yeah. Just just give okay. me like uh so so this is what I did. Uh, okay. And maybe maybe like we can compare. Um so so just give me like your one best argument that you would say is like the best argument for globalism. Um what what would that be, I guess? Okay, well I guess the best argument that I have is that if you have geopolitical competition between nation states that the drive for survival and dominance between nation states means that they start producing things like nuclear weapons, biological weapons. They start depleting resources because they have to industrialize, um, like competitive, competitively industrialize, um, and they must constantly try and grow economically faster than the opponent. They must constantly um, seek to kind of section off more and more of global supply chains and like integrate them into their kind of industrial war machine in order to kind of uh, achieve hegemony. And this threatens humanity's very survival because we could have a nuclear war, we could have, you know, all kinds of uh, other forms of warfare break out, we could have, um, and also we could deplete the world's resources and destroy the environment and potentially existentially threaten humanity. And so the only solution is to kind of integrate 
all of the world's political system under one hegemonic rule that cannot be challenged by any particular nation state, which can then deindustrialize the world, um, dis disassemble the entire edifice of, of uh, weapons that are directed at other parts of the human race, because now we're organized under, you know, in the same way that um, in a particular nation state, you won't have the nation's military military and its weapons being pointed at its own population the entire world would then be able to live in a kind of world free from warfare um uh, you know other than i guess maybe like some kind of civil war rebellion but at least free from the kind of same institutionalized industrialized warfare and um, be able to kind of deal with things like climate change and the depletion of the world's resources and um in a, in a far more integrated way Sure, let's, I, see, let's... I see a oh. smiling uh, Jason Rizzo Giorgiani in the astral realm looking at you right now, Joel, and nodding. And again, <laughs> like, I know there are things that <laughs> happen. That I, wish, I wish Giorgiani would calm down. And it's like, I love speaking with people that I disagree with. I'm not going to get into it right now. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Dario, how would you then take what uh, Joel just said right now about this uh, threat of war and uh, violence uh, through their uh, not being this uh, overarching uh, global uh, mechanism, and sure. how would you advocate for the opposite? For uh, yeah, sure. Um, so so yeah, I mean, it, it. I would just say that it isn't obvious to me that um, war necessarily follows from like a nationalist sort of perspective, right? So if if we view nationalism only as like um, sovereignty within the nations and sort of the ability to sort of take care of oneself, um, it it would, I think, logically follow that there would still be some sort of um, global communication um, between like the nations themselves saying, hey, um, we might have weapons, you might have weapons, let's not use them because it wouldn't be in either person's uh, benefit, um, which I think is sort of what happens today, right? I mean, multiple uh, sovereign nations have nuclear weapons there isn't a nuclear war currently going on. Um, so I don't think it necessarily follows that there has to be um, from like a national perspective. No, uh, well uh, said, some neighbors blaring music in the car. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, unless you have anything to counter that with Joel, I would like to move on to immigration. Um, I guess also I came up with this argument as well that if you're a Christian that you should kind of endorse globalism because it would be the most optimal economic system to enable the Antichrist to take over the world and therefore you're just kind of winding the clock down to a seven year period before Jesus would return and, and uh, you know provide humanity with its ultimate salvation so I mean you couldn't really argue against it from that perspective either I guess. That's a good point. Although, wouldn't New Jerusalem also, uh, you know, be a one-world government? I'm not sure. I don't want to put uh, words into uh, the uh, uh, the Book of the Revelation, but I'm not sure. I mean, both in a way are a world government, although one is evil and the other is good. Where uh, New there Jerusalem go, yeah. people would be living in peace, and uh, but anyway. As far as uh, migration, immigration goes, uh, legal migrants, uh, however you want to phrase it, um, as far as what the future of uh, countries like Europe and America looks like with mass migration from other people, this would be more of a uh, globalist perspective on the world as far as there not really being that much sovereignty, there being open borders. So uh, I think but yeah. a point to be made would be, um, and I'm, again, the debate format's inherently confusing but ha, i guess maybe to joel um 
what would be uh, a proper definition of globalism? Like it's, it seems to me that, I mean, there are some people that call themselves neoliberals, but what, what is, uh, who, who is really taking the mantle? Who is like calling themselves an unironic uh, globalist or is globalist rather a term of uh, derision created by, uh, you know, nationalists and, and uh, so forth? Well, Dar- Dario is. I mean, Dario said in the beginning that he would be uh, for uh, th- this kind of system. So uh, I yeah, would love I would to hear Joel. myself a globalist. You, oh, you okay, would... that that settles. Yeah. No. But uh, no, but what, like your Klaus Schwabs and uh, George yeah. Soros's and so forth. I mean. Uh... Yeah. But oh, but Joel, oh please, now that you're on this, can you uh, go for? Um, why do you think that the uh, fourth economic uh, revolution? And the Klaus Schwabs of the world are a necessity. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe. And then we'll be... get to migration. Um, well, this kind of relates to what I said before. So, if you have like geopolitical competition between nation states, um, this uh, ultimately requires industrial competition. And um, you know, if you want to side with, um, you know, basically the capacity for. Um, international capitalists to continue to kind of extract profits from their investments, um, it becomes increasingly difficult to imagine in a kind of competitive market system um, uh, that they're going to be able to maintain this through just financializing the US economy, particularly considering they're competing with the state capitalism of China, which is like actually based in industrial production as opposed to um, the kind of stagnation of the American economy. And so, um, it'd be very difficult then to prevent nationalism uh, from breaking out in the United States and the economic system being a reset uh, in, in a fashion that would mean that if you're, you know, the George Soros's and Bill Gates of the world would lose a certain portion of their power and control. So the best alternative seems to be to engage in some kind of conspiracy where you uh, uh, attempt to uh, undermine the capacity for um the United States to kind of also embrace some kind of state capitalist framework and instead kind of sabotage their political system uh, and, and kind of with a kind of managed imperial decline of some sorts, um, which which seems to be what this fourth industrial revolution is. I mean, I guess also you could say th- this is a way of preventing um, World War World War Three, because if you just kind of slowly sabotage the United States uh, and allow some kind of peaceful ascension of like of like the Eurasian political model, that like this would assuage like some kind of uh, direct confrontation. And then if you know, uh, it depends really like what direction you want to take it. But also you could look at um, uh, the fact that okay, if if we start like uh, if you look at like the technological implications, like transhumanist technological implications. I was reading an article the other day about um, uh, some Israeli scientist who was cr- basically growing rat fetuses inside artificial wombs, and he wanted to get approval from the Israeli government to do it with human fetuses. Um, if you got to a situation in which the government could grow its own people and genetically modify them to be at at this point there would be no such thing really as ethnicity or race you could just kind of like genetically modify humans according to certain like um industrial requirements um and so you could kind of do away with things like national specificity and just create like one you know uh centrally administered race um maybe you'd have different races like you know corporation a 
would produce you know it'd be like the like nike race and then you could have like you know um amazon race or something you could have like and the they have race. like a tattoo on their foreheads or somewhere else like of the uh, nike logo and kind of like a brand so yeah they would yeah. literally be a brand yeah, yeah, and so you don't really need to have because you know you could kind of uh, integrate them in into a kind yeah. of uh, kind of globalist kind of some so, kind of like global culture that would no longer need to be ethno specific or have any kind of um, of so, current. So like, transhumanism tropes. and runaway AI would almost facilitate a necessity for a form of globalism, or else we mm. wouldn't, uh, you know, we wouldn't get a handle over it. We would almost need like a world. Uh, what, what did the hippies call it? Spaceship Earth type of a uh, system but i i don't i don't see i don't see why that would necessitate um like like for example like if you let's say you could grow people of like any ethnicity or whatever like like a nationalism doesn't necessarily entail that it, there only needs to be one national like one ethnicity living in the nation right i mean it yeah just this is means, an ethno nationalism yeah it isn't an ethno national it's just like nationalism right so i mean you can grow any type of people like in a lab or whatever as long as they're in the nation as long as it's a sovereign nation it doesn't necessarily entail that there needs to be any kind of globalism there um but uh before we get to all these futuristic things something that's happening right now which i could actually ask you dario to start us off with regarding open borders why would you be against open borders why would you be against the uh, uh free migration of people from one part of the world to another and you could touch on both the cultural aspects of this as well as economic. Well, no, I mean, I don't think we need to go that far, honestly. It's, it's very simple um, from, a, from a nationalist perspective. Uh, if you care about sovereignty, if you care about sort of the, um, the rule of law of the nation, um, you kind of have to have a, a limit to where that nation is, right? You need to be able to say, this, this is where my nation is. These are the people within my nation. Uh, if you don't have a border, you don't really have a nation, right? I mean, you, you can't really say, well, if 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 it's uh like if, if there's no limit, then then there is no where where your jurisdiction stops and ends, right? Um, same. Well, why with, is that? Why is that important? I mean, it's important if you care about sovereignty, right? If you care about your nation. But what is it in caring? Sounds pretty about... racist to me. I don't know. <laughs> no, but again, we're not talking about ethno-nationalism here. We're specifically talking about. From what I can gather, culture. Well, if I, so if people but have if a I certain, may, yes, but but if I may, like there is currently a kind of ethnic distribution, like a tendency for the rich parts of the world to have a rather pale complexion, and I just feel like all of these Somalians that are being oppressed by the white supremacist system need to be allowed into Western democracy so they can like taste some of our freedom and uh, receive the benefits of our welfare state. After all. We kind of expropriated um, through the kind of, uh, you know, American imperialism, uh, Western imperialism. And we expropriated a, a large amount of the resources of Africa and like enslaved their people. So why shouldn't we why, why shouldn't we open our borders to allow the third world uh, populations to come and, and like well, have a taste? Well, Dario, why shouldn't we? Well, sure. I mean, I, I just I would just pose why why would I uh, as like an individual necessarily care about the people of other countries like why, why would i inherently do that right i mean if, if i wanted to everybody here on this podcast could donate a hundred dollars to like a charity organization and save children in africa today right now if you wanted to but we don't do it right i mean it's because there is an intuitive feeling uh, amongst most people that the 
closer somebody is to you, um, there's like a proportional sort of proximity to how much you care about them, right? You care about but, your, but you're but you're talking about a personal about a personal opinion, like somebody having a certain feeling. And the thing with feelings for me is that uh, whether they are uh, true Facts or don't not care true, about how, them? Is yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's why instead of talking about feelings, what about certain pragmatic stuff having to do with what could be some un unintended consequences for the society on mass? If uh, let's say you were to change your mind of all, and all of a sudden want people from uh, you know different uh, cultures, you know that may be opposed to certain cultural norms of the places that they're going to, uh, like what would be certain unintended consequences that would occur for society as a whole should that happen? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of laughable that you did you laugh off the the feelings sort of thing because I mean, ultimately, I mean, all of our moral systems, all of our ethics, sort of build upon uh, intuitive feelings, um, most likely, right? Like some sort of like, why should we? Why ought we care about something, right? So, like, why should I care about ultimately about other people rather than my own best self-interest, right? And if I care about my own self-interest, if I'm an egoist, um, then why shouldn't I only care about my own people and my own nation? Well, right? like, here, here's an example. I'll give you an example. The same reason why the uh, Russian czar and the royal family in general should have taken a bit more care of uh, the well-being of the people below them, because we all know what ended up happening, a revolution. So that's why it's important to look at this objectively as far as well, what sure, are certain I... things in society. Like, that's why I'm saying, you know, not to disregard your feelings. Of course not, Dario. You know, I know you're a very fervent nationalist, but not to disregard them, but just to paint the picture of what would happen, like, if you were to be a space alien that would land in society after the society would have opened all of its borders up hundreds of years later. Like, would there be any difference as far as the experience people would have in that uh, life a hundred years later from the perspective of you as the outsider looking in? Yeah, but I'm but I'm not a space alien, right? I'm myself, right? And the reason why the Russian revolutions happened was because they didn't take care of the people within their own nation, right? That's why their own nation rebelled. But if you take care of your people within your nation, then obviously they're not going to rebel, right? Because you have their own interests in your... Uh, you have their best self-interest within your purview, right? I mean, that's what you legislate over. So, I mean, obviously they wouldn't revolt because those are the people you care about and the people outside your borders, the people in the world, those are the people you don't really care about because they're not close to you, right? They don't really affect your day-to-day -day life. So why should you care? But is it a matter of just their uh, self-interest or let's say, for example, if somebody were to come up to them and convince them that, hey, guys, these people who are coming in from this different country, they're going to be just as American or, in your case, just as Denmarkian as you, there is no need to worry. And let's say you convince all of them that that is indeed the case. From there on, would they be able to just live in peace, uh, kumbaya and all that? Or would there still be some uh, problems from, let's say, uh, I don't know, some other cultural uh, differentiations over time well i mean it, it seems very obvious to me that the more people you have to care about um the harder it is to care about them right intuitively i think there's like a study that says human beings like individually are only able to care about like a hundred people at a time right you can have a hundred friends or something and then you start losing track um if you have 
the more people you have, if you open your borders, the more people you have to take care of, right? Ultimately. And it seems obvious that if you limit that to some degree, right? To say, okay, well, the people within the nation that sort of uh, fit within the culture, those are the people we care about. And the rest of the people, they have their own nations. They have their own governments that can care about them. All right. Now, before we move to Joel, I just want to say for the people who have no idea what the hell is going on, this is a uh, position swap debate wherein our uh, two guests here, Joel and Dario, flip their positions and advocate for the other side. So, Joel, why is uh, why, why is Dario wrong about this? Um. Well, uh, well, first, I already made the argument that it just seems like implicitly racist, but then also... Um, uh well well look because as i said i mean if you're if you're saying you only care about the people in your own country you're from denmark the majority of people in in denmark are white you're basically saying you only really care about people that share your ethnic persuasion well no um, i mean i care about the black people in my country i care about the brown people the i mean it, as long as they're in my country right but what is it of them being in your country that makes you care about all of them what is it that unites the uh the caring uh quality well, they are within my proximity, right? They are within currently within. I mean, it, it just That's so it? happens. Just, just your yeah. proximity. Yeah, I mean, it, but there's close... like, but there's like things within my proximity, like I don't know, uh, a broken bench that I gotta fix. I don't care about the way it currently is. I need to work sure. on that bench. So there are things within our proximity that you know we could say like we care about, but they may have certain problems down the line. So is it just about? You know, well, yeah, this I mean, person but I, is physically close to me, and that's why I care about them. Or is yeah, but I, I made that argument uh, earlier, right? I, I said I, it was the analogy with like the hundred dollars, right? So, so if if one of your friends, like one of your friends that lives in your city or your neighborhood, they get ill or they die or whatever, you care a lot, right? Because they're close to you, they affect your day to day life. But if somebody in Africa dies from some disease, right, you don't really care. It doesn't keep you up at night, right? It's, no, it's but here, here's the difference. Here's the difference. So you're talking about neighborhood. And you could say that back in the old days or maybe in Denmark where things may be different, uh, you'd be 100% right. Unfortunately, we are living today, let's say, in more of an urban environment where there sure. could be people right next to you that you don't even know. And they don't care to know you. You don't care to know them. They're just living in a completely different life, especially today, where I think a lot of relationships form through the Internet as opposed to this proximity. And that brings the question again of what is it that unites people, let's say, through the Internet and that would have united people, you know, who have this more of a uh, small hometown mentality amongst themselves while also having people who, you know, aren't uh, vibing with them. At the same well, time, I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, far away. I mean, I would just say if if you look at sort of the way that the world is going right now, I don't think it's a good thing that the internet is becoming so prevalent, right? I mean, mental illness is at a rise, suicide is as a rise. If you looked at like the there was a like a Netflix movie talked about like how social networks sort of manipulate you, all these things. I, I think it would be beneficial if we went back to the sort of maybe not like back to like 200 years ago, but maybe like 50 years ago or something like that, where people weren't as online, but had a more investment in their um, neighborhoods and in their towns and stuff like that. I think that would benefit hmm. humanity. But even there, and I'm not talking about, let's say, second generation kids who then end up going to uh, college. But let's say in Brooklyn, for example, we had uh, Chinese neighbors. And they had elderly Chinese people, you know, young, uh, you know, Chinese kids who were living in that uh, in that house. And 
even though we were neighbors, we didn't really have that much in common. You know, like we saw each other, you know, just through the window. They had this dog that I named Mr. Pupsick, and uh, they left him outside in the shed uh, the first day. And the kids, they were so disappointed about that because it's like, you know, the poor little puppy, they left him in the shed. But to them, you know, from you know, where they were in China, that was a usual thing. So already there's a bit of a cultural difference here. And like, I wonder when it comes to what people have in common there would still be certain cultural norms that people will have to embrace over time in order to then consider somebody not just as this person that lives this proximity away from me, but somebody that, w that I would actually care about, you know, on a well, higher level. Sure, but cultural norms are often learned, right? I mean, you, you can learn cultural norms from, from the place that you live, right? I mean, if, uh, I, I mean, as you probably knew about your Chinese uh, neighbors, right? Like, they probably... Uh, got some cultural norms from uh, American norms, right? Like from living there, like they, they, I mean, work in American ways, like they, they do these things, right? And it's all about ultimately about, again, proximity, right? It's, it's about existing within the nation and uh, coexisting within the norms of the nation and the culture of the nation. Like oh, they, they sorry, don't they don't live by Japanese norms or yeah. Chinese norms, right? Well, they this live... is this is just a, and I know I went on a bit of a tangent here, but this is just what I wanted to kind of cement in this conversation because when we're talking about like what is it that would unite people in any kind of nationalistic uh, setting, I think it would be certain things that they would hold in common that they would be able to share with each sure. other as opposed to. So I guess the only reason why I'm adding that is to kind of like lean in on you know what exactly. Uh, what exactly your perspective would be on what would make for a, a strong and healthy nation and why uh, globalism would, uh, you know, with open borders kind of uh, go against that. And then I would love uh, Joel's response. Well, sure. I mean, I, I, I guess uh, principally, principally, the, the main reason why you wouldn't want open borders is, again, uh, to preserve sovereignty of the nation, right? To, to have to be able to say that these is like my nation, this is my culture, like these are my people. Uh, and we want to be able to um, have laws uh, and uh, regulations and, and deal with crime uh, within those borders. And Joel, what would be certain unintended consequences that would come to pass if uh, this was much more emphasized than it is right now? Well, you know, obviously we would have far less diversity and because diversity is our strength, it would be much weaker because you would have, you know, a kind of hegemonic no, cultural discourse that um, has uh, no kind of addition. So like, well, if why we is have... diversity our strength? Why? Yeah, why is diversity our strength? We got to dig deep well, here. I mean, to even ask me this, no, um, uh, no, diversity is our strength because, you know, I'm sure. My God, I'm I know. It's such, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's like an implicit white supremacy in this question, but also, uh, yeah, oh. no, be no, because we need to have the cultural enrichment of, you know, um, uh, foreign cultures. So like, you know, if we have, um, a bunch of people who don't share our cultural values whatsoever and have a whole bunch of different cultural values and way of living life. Um, they can bring that to our country and then change our country to have to kind of uh, develop but, but Joel, new but... perspectives and, and, and new possibilities. And, um, and, and so this then teach us how to kind of become more tolerant as a society, because then we have to figure out how to, how to integrate more uh, different 
human perspectives rather than just clamping down and, and defending our perspective we can kind of open ourselves up to cha changing our minds and, and and tolerating different perspectives and, and this is ultimately a good thing um because uh, you know who's to say that our the values that we have and uh, and our customs and our way of life um who's to say that this is how one should live i mean who's to say we shouldn't try something else and, and, yeah, and, dario and, who is to say that this is how one should live um, well, I mean, I, I, I would just, I would just pose the question of like, ultimately, nobody really decides how everybody else should live, right? I mean, it's up to everybody else. And the only thing that I'm posing is I'm just saying that from an egotistical perspective, um, it would seem that I would want to maximize my own um, sort of uh, ability to thrive. Uh, and the people within my near proximity's ability to thrive, right? I wouldn't care about other cultures and how people decide to live their lives. They can do that in their own country. Uh, That's, Dario, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dario I, I noticed that you didn't respond to Joel's point about like the legacy of, of colonial activities and so on. And when you're talking about strictly sovereignty and caring about the people inside your borders, does that mean that if you can expropriate some people on the other side of the world and take their resources, possibly enslave them, that that's just fine? Is that yeah, I mean, why? Nationalism? I mean, why Why wouldn't it be fine, I guess? Why Why should I care about other people? But do, but do you think that um, there needs to be uh, an equal redistribution of resources around the world? And why isn't that, why is that a... a why is that a bad thing from a nationalistic perspective? Why can't there be um, an impure, a per, impersonal uh, sort of bureaucratic uh, end of history state that can determine um, a fair distribution, uh, each according to their need, each according to their, how does the slogan go? Each from each according to their need, to each, oh, wait, from each according to their ability, to each, each according, according to their, their need. need. Yeah. yeah. Um, why, why, why do you think that uh, certain nations can grow powerful and plunder from the uh, rest of them? Well, I mean, I, I personally, I'm not, I'm not putting any morals upon other people, right? I mean, ultimately, I, I think everybody should mm -hmm. be able to do with their lives um, so that they can maximize sort of their own existence uh, within the earth that we share. And so it just if, so if some other nation can come to where you are and expropriate you and enslave you is that equally just to you expropriating and enslaving them if you can't stop them well i mean from their perspective but obviously i would do whatever i could um to stop them from doing that right i mean that's the purpose of building a strong and healthy nation right it's you would do what to... you could other than subscribe to an internationalist order that created a, a situation where neither of you could do that to each other well, I mean, I, I mean, ultimately, I wouldn't be opposed to having a national sort of uh, truce, like a, a weapons truce, right? To say, well, uh, let's not fire the nukes, right? But, but I, I don't think that's necessarily like relevant in terms of like maximizing sort of the the nation, right? I mean, isn't that a ultimate sovereignty? Uh, I'm sorry, can you repeat? Isn't that a surrender of your sovereignty? Well, no, not necessarily, right? I mean, you're still protecting your nation and deciding who gets in and who stays out, right? I mean, unless that global order uh, sort of necessitated that you would have to uh, sort of break with your sovereignty 
um, then, I mean, obviously I would be opposed to that. But if it's just a, hey, let's not fire the nukes um, and attack each other as nations, then, I mean, I don't see any issues. And then they can keep their sovereignty and we can keep ours. So okay, we Dario. Have, we have go, reached... Go yes. Ahead. Go ahead, Liv. No, no. What you want to say? Go, go for it. So, Dario, it seems like um, your arguments, they sound very reasonable when you start out, but then you sort of drift into this hyperbole that's very speculative that... It's hard to see something like that ever happening, like nuclear war, genetic modification, things like that I'm hearing. Oh, but, I didn't go into the genetic modification. <laughs> that was yeah, Joel. Was, uh, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think every nationalist is necessarily a racist, but don't you think it's a little short-sighted to just be pulling for the benefit of your tribe, you know, for people with inside your borders? Wouldn't it be better to be having a more broader philosophy with the brotherhood of man and the benefit well, I mean, of everybody in the world benefits you and your country eventually and your well, children's children and on and on. Well, sure. But, but like, I would just post you like, why should I inherently care about other people? Right. Or like other nations, right. I care about me. I care about my family, my friends. Like those are the people that affect me. Right. Like, as I said, if you actually do care about the other nations and people from other nations right now, you can donate a hundred dollars and probably save five lives in Africa, right? Like, why don't you, right? Well, to some degree, you care more about your own well-being and your friends than you do those children you could save with $100. Well, we have a good question for monetizing dissent in the chat. Do anti-globalists believe that all white people should return with a V to you? With monetizing a v, Europa, dissent, that's a good monetize one. Yes, especially Australians. <laughs> uh, the worst local <laughs> trackers. <laughs> <laughs> Colonialism is the bastard child of both nationalism and globalism. Okay, so that one's for you. And and then I think we will finally conclude the actual because people are begging for an actual back and forth with the masks off. Except for Bane, you got to keep your mask on, buddy, because I don't want to know what's going to happen if I take it off. They. So anyway, Dario, that was uh, that was for you. Let us let us know what you oh, think of that. For me, what was the question? Yes. Sorry. So do oh, anti globalists is like face disfigured? How does that work? I'm not in the deep lore. Like, what, what's wrong with Bane's face? Never saw that movie. It's very ugly. Oh, I see. Mm. So do anti globalists believe that all white people should return to Europa, especially Australians, <laughs> the worst knuckle draggers? No, I think uh, ultimately, I think w whatever nation you have, uh, it can be your nation. You can be sovereign. Um, I don't think anybody has claim of Europe or the U.S. or any other part. It's just about like the people that are there now. They should look out for themselves. Excellent. And with that, it is six o'clock. Let's take the masks off. I know you can't stay uh, for that long, Dario, and I really appreciate you coming in. But before before you leave, I just want to make sure that we have a bit of a back and forth where, uh, Joel, how did you think Dario did in defending uh, nationalism? Uh, so go go for that. Let's start with that. Um, I, I was surprised that he, like, I mean, maybe not surprised, but I, I don't know why he seemed to kind of just kind of keep coming back to this idea that it was predicated upon not caring about other people caring only about the people in your own country as opposed to talking about political institutionality i mean presumably dario supports democracy and so like you know globalism is kind of inherently anti-democratic uh because you know it's outside the purview of like democratic organization um it's a bunch of uh non-democratic 
post-national bureaucratic institutions administer it and so from the perspective of like um i mean i'm i don't i don't support democracy but i assume he does so from that perspective I, i'm surprised he didn't take that that route of saying well you know the the national um political organization of a country is kind of generated through this kind of internal political process that like empowers people to participate and like uh achieves a certain amount of representation um uh for those viewpoints or what have you um and just kind of emphasize like the necessity for like difference that like different people in the world need to be able to organize their political uh their, their, their kind of politics uh according to their their own specific interests um uh but uh yeah i, I guess i'm surprised to make an argument like this um but uh yeah and i also didn't get a get a um mm. I, I also would like to deal more with the like well i don't see why nationalism predisposes us to um uh you know resource depletion through industrial competition because i feel like geopolitical competition is very real um you know if states if they like don't industrialize uh, and like increase the industrial capacity to the maximum extent um they get strategically left behind by the states who do and then they become subordinated to their will via imperialism um uh so yeah i would like to have like had a response I'm sorry joel but i just heard you say that you don't support democracy and that you just argued for greater more democracy what's that about that seems like a disconnect no, I'm saying I'm sorry. Dario didn't argue argue for this from his point. Yeah, of view. so if if Dario were to take uh, that uh, position, since Dario mm. was in favor of democracy, uh, but Dario, do you agree with Joel that that could have been something mentioned, well, or is I there mean, some? Yeah. No, I I don't I don't think so because I I think democracy is is a question of like interpretation, right? So I would say so so let's take the U.S. as an example, right? So just because there is different degrees of democracy that sort of builds up, right? You have your your local elections, your mayors, your uh, state elections, your governor elections, like and and then you have the federal elections as well, like you're like the president, right? There's different. Uh, levels of democracy, but they're all like democratic, right, to some degree. And yes, the the more you expand democracy, the more people you bring in, the less your vote uh, necessarily matters. But that's why you have sort of a federalized system as in the US, right, where the, the local things are where your vote matters the most is the most local communities, right? And I assume like a, a global system. Uh, if we do, uh, if we do argue for like a global democratic system, it would function in a similar way, right? Where the the global votes are only the votes that would affect all the nations, right? So when you talk about issues like climate change, for example, you would necessarily need some sort of global cooperation to deal with it, um, and then you would vote on those things on like a global level. You wouldn't vote on like, oh, how many roads do we need in? uh kentucky or whatever uh, random town right you wouldn't vote on that on like a global level obviously but the eu does have certain standards right now that uh, go all across the board certain regulations that do end up affecting uh more uh, local communities and that's kind of a power creep that i'm uh, concerned about when it comes to uh globalism because, sure. I mean, uh, I yeah. mean, depending on like the example you bring up, I mean, we might agree or disagree, right? I do. I think like in in terms of stuff that I would consider to be like human rights uh, issues or like uh, or, or like yeah, yeah, human rights issues, right? I I would say that's that's a fair thing to have sort of a standardized thing amongst like all the nations in the world. 
um, that you could vote on globally, like what is considered like a human right. I think that's fair. Um, I probably wouldn't agree. Uh, like if the EU, I don't know, I, I'm not aware if this happens, but if the EU does decide what, when do we rebuild the roads in Germany or Denmark or whatever, I'd probably disagree with that. I think that is probably mm. out of their purview. Um, so like you think that the like global Westphalian project is over with, it's done, it's like a, not a feasible model for where we where we're at but in the I'm same sorry, can time you rep- what what project sorry the the westphalian sort of like nation state model is going to be a thing i'm, I'm not aware of what you mean west fa- west what yeah you know like the agreement among nations um that the, like the nation state is a self-contained whole that makes deals with other nations and so forth and oh your mic's a bit low geo is my mic a bit low let me me adjust that. Everybody subscribe while Gio is fixing his mic. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Is that better? Oh, well, yeah. Oh. yeah sure. Yes. Yeah, so like the Westphalian project is like the states are a self-contained whole and that they um they interact with each other, but they do not fundamentally violate each other's sovereignty. Um, oh yeah, sure. You, you but but you think that sort of is complicated, but at the same token, um I well well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say those kinds of projects, they don't uh, presuppose or require either nationalist or globalist policies, I would say, right? Like, as, as long as you sort of respect each nation's sovereignty, I think like a, a nationalist sort of perspective can work from there. Um, um, but it, it's complicated because in the sense that nationalism, um, the way that ancient or medieval political regimes were structured they weren't um nationalism i mean people argue this it it is kind of like a modern invention uh but it's the heuristic that we use especially in the political right to sort of express our beliefs but at the same time there's limits to what nationalism is relative to like an actual um what sure. do you want to say ancient or traditional political order that is yeah. much more regionalist or imperial uh, so, but I think nationalism, it's like, that's the best we have now. And it's sort of like that thing, you know, it's, it's become. But it's also, as I mentioned at the beginning as well, like where I said, as a Eurocentric white supremacist, I endorse globalism. You just mentioned human rights yeah, and obviously like the, the, the UN and like human rights have been like pretexts for American imperialism from the get go and de facto American domination. And like through, you know, uh, the justification you even see it now with the Biden administration we need to you know we need to we need to stay in Afghanistan because you know we've got to like make sure we protect the you know the women's rights in Afghanistan or whatever there are all these nation states in with with completely non-western um, moral viewpoints which we would consider to be violating their human rights according to hegemonic western standards and so um, well, the imposition sure, sure, of just- these standards Sure, but just saying, but just saying, like just saying the word imperialism doesn't, for me, necessitate like a like a morally good or a morally bad action, right? So, like when I consider morals, like taking the mask off for a second, right? Um, I I would say like I would take a moral realist approach, right? I would say morals exist in the world, and we ought to follow those morals the best we can, right? So, so when you say imperialism, well, the question to me would be, well, what do you actually mean, right? So, so. If 
if there is a nation that is currently genociding like its citizens or or citizens of like a of like another nation like like putting them in gas chambers like, like doing the holocaust or whatever like i think we have a moral responsibility to intervene right like and you can call that imperialism you can say you're taking away the sovereignty yeah but like they're committing genocide right and somebody has to stop them or else like who cares about morals, right? So yeah, that, I that mean, would be... but, but yeah, maybe like to stop genocide, sure. But I mean, obviously, the pretext is generally nothing to do with someone committing a genocide. But it's well, usually... no, sure. But that, I'm just yeah. giving an example of like what somebody could consider to be imperialist, and I just I gave an example to like how imperialism could be permissible, right? Yeah, but they, I wasn't they... saying that imperialism was an moral bad. I, I said. It is an extension of American imperialism specifically, not sure. But American imperialism could be good, right? Yes, I mean, if you you'd have to you'd have to kind of side with American imperialism, and then if you sided with American imperialism, you would have to side with Eurocentrism or with some kind of like the standards of Western civilization being moral, like they're being like because this is a kind of this kind of moral universalism is again it comes straight out of the enlightenment it's like the, the, the values of western society are inherently true and that we should impose them upon the entire world and this is well, exactly what is well kind of yes of, well I'm, I'm, i mean yes yeah i mean i, I guess again like repeat like uh, taking a moral realist approach right i do think that some morals are superior to others right i, I like i i don't think a moral uh sort of um uh what's it called like moral subjectivism, I think that's like a, a extremely stupid thing, right? Like, Racist. if there's like a, yeah. if, there, if there's a if there's a nation that is like a, like doing human sacrifice of children or whatever, like I don't think that's permissible just because that's their yeah. culture, right? What about uh, if it's I, an Islamic nation who they believe according to their religion cares, that dude. they should throw right. or you, so you think that we should throw gays they can throw gays off buildings and no. they can force women Wait. to wear hijabs? Well, ju just like when no, the British I... Empire came into India, they forbade the uh, burning of widows. So uh, again, it's like I don't think that there is anything inherent to any people unless you're talking about like totally tribalized people, like when that Christian missionary tried to get to the uh, who are those folks the. Uh, you know what I mean? The uh, Sentinelese, that's it. When he tried to preach the word of God to the Sentinel Island people, they just speared him to death. Like, they're, okay, they're completely isolated, I get that. But I still think that people have the potential, regardless of where they come from, to adapt to certain norms that, let's yes. say, wouldn't get rid of their, like, uh, exactly, full yeah. traditions, but at the same time get them to sort of a higher level. Like I Exactly, kind of yeah, that's, 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 that's That needs my, to be imposed by force, though, and historically well, it yes, needs to course. be imposed by force. Yes, of course, yeah. Of okay, course. well, I'm just, I'm just glad, I'm just glad to i mean i mean you know i guess I we mean, can I, agree I, we're, bo we're both we're both kind of uh uh we both believe that western society is superior and well, we're no, both imperialists I mean, well no, i mean depends on what you mean by oh, western by the way we got society. a five dollar donation from gus earlier gus i'm so sorry i did not say this earlier looking good dario loving the casual look <laughs> <laughs> can i just say that dario Listen, has it's, a, dario it's has fucking, a little bit of a keanu reeves thing going on today <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, it's it's true. No, no I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, for for me, I mean, it all depends on what you mean, right? Like the like a lot of the sort of seeming agreement uh, comes down to detail, right? And I, I assume if we talked about the details, we probably wouldn't agree, right? So so the extent of what I would consider to be quote unquote good imperialism, call it whatever you want, like globalism or whatever, uh, is again like taking a moral realist approach, right? And and rejecting moral subjectivism, right? I, I would not say that just because it is somebody's uh culture or whatever, 
uh, to do something immoral, I don't think that's a good thing, right? I think morals uh, exist in the world. And I think most people act upon a, a set of morals. And if, if they had the same um, sort of uh, facts or were exposed to the same sort of conditions that we were, that they would live under the same moral systems or similar moral frameworks, right? Like don't kill uh, innocent people, don't steal, don't rape children. I think these are universal things. And I think if some cultures engage in these things, I think they are immoral and we have a moral responsibility to sort of uh, help them away from those sort of uh, things. And I don't think they're inherent. I think like 99.9% of people can adhere to what I would consider to be good morals, right? I don't think it's an inherent, I don't think so it's a cultural or race Adam thing, Driver anything. <laughs> so I would view this view then like what you just articulated as being anti-democratic then, because you see reject moral subjectivism. So if a bunch of people get together and subjectively assess morality and vote away against human rights, you say, no, we should reject their democratic process and we should impose our yeah. vision of human rights upon them. So you're not you're not you're, you're anti-democracy then. Well, I mean, sh sure, but you would be too, right? I mean, most people would be, right? Let, let, if, yeah, if, I, uh, I have no if, problem saying that I'm against democracy. Well, no, but not not only you, but like most people, right? Like most people would not accept. Let's say 51% of people agreed that uh, we should rape the remaining 49% of people infinitely, right? Like infinitely rape them and and pillage them and and like slaughter them, right? Like nobody would agree to that. Right, there is some universal standards that most people adhere to, right? And Look like at these they... comments, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Bill Clinton bombed Serbia in the 90s, so Dario is in this position that he has to do. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that comment are going got crazy, me wild. but no, um, I guess the, the argument would be what the basis for um, these quote unquote rights that are so glorious that we have to impose them upon people. Um, is it just purely like the harm principle? Is there like some veil of ignorance going on? I think that's the problem with when you question the liberal project itself, it's always this question of like, okay, so if you're going to gut the social uh, sort of the, the, how shall I say the founding epistemy of any society you're going to gut it of sort of any higher principle besides what is either material advent what is materially advantageous to um the greatest number of people but also what is uh the lack of harm but yet it's but well, then yet also sure governments if I, if commit I harm may. all the time so it's like what basis is this if I may, if I may interject as well, like if you want to get yeah, a little yeah. bit historicist, so like human rights. So originally, obviously, human rights kind of come out of, um, you know, Western discourse. So you could say like, well, to kind of give a real kind of like simple take, you have like divine right of kings, then you have the kind of internal opposition within, you know, Anglo society in particular to the divine right of kings. Thomas Jefferson kind of rearticulates this by transferring divine right from being given to the king specifically to being given to individuals in the form of like, you know, if you read like, you know, the like kind of the Declaration of Independence, American Constitution, um, you can see the very clear move that is being made. So apparently rights are given to us by our creator. Um, then you get to the UN Declaration on Human Rights, where it doesn't say at all where the rights come from. There's yeah. no argument for like their origin. Um, they just exist and they invent a whole bunch yeah. of new ones. And we're constantly inventing new ones. Like now we have trans rights, which would have been unthinkable 100 years ago. Well, sure. um, 
so, and so, so, the, the, so where where the rights come from exactly? Well, I mean the same the same well the same place where morals come from, right? Like they come from people, right? They come they exist within the the people, and we can observe them like from the people who act upon those norms, right? Uh, so so in this like I I wouldn't necessarily accept or reject any like human rights definitions that other people come with, right? I have my own. Uh, sort of uh, definitions of like what is moral and immoral. And I think at acting upon those, I think most people um, would agree to some set of beliefs, like some set of morals or human rights. Okay, but isn't this a subjectivist argument? You said before you're a moral realist. And I said, where do morals come from? And you're saying they come from people, you know, yeah. I, I, I could agree or disagree. So again, you're just saying from your subjective viewpoint or a confluence, most people would agree in their subjectivity that these... Yeah a good morals so i mean it, it seems like your like position is incoherent well yeah where does where does science come from right where does the study of science come from it came where, from where does that where does society? the it was, it was where kind of abstracted the, from jurisprudential practice sure, but where, uh, where does where does epistemology come from right where does the understanding of knowledge where does the understanding of language come from right it all comes from us right from our collective collective consciousness right i mean yeah, I mean, it, it, you can't like take a, a stelescope and like measure it in the air, um, but you can look at the humans who act upon those things. Or right? collective uh, unconscious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whichever approach you want. No, to but take. This, yeah. this, this, you're just saying it just kind of spontaneously emerges in people, but there seems to be no like well, no, real explanation with this. Well, like well, exactly, like specifically, like you'd have to kind of give an argument for like exactly why it would be one way and not another way you can't just say well they just come from people because then what if which people have a disagreement they say well both sides of the disagreement they, they seem like that based upon your argument but they're both they're both you could substantiate anything as long as you have a bunch of people who agree with whatever you're saying there's no basis from what anything that you've said so far for why you could disagree or agree with anyone well sure like, there's well, no, sure. There's no well, well, sure, but like, uh, like your your refutation doesn't necessarily refute the existence of morals, right? They just refute or 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 just question whether or not I have the correct interpretation, right? And like, I'm not claiming I have the correct interpretation, right? I have my interpretation of like which morals are the best. I'm just saying that I do think that you can make morally true or morally false statements, right? That's the only thing that I'm proposing. So right? you're saying you think morals exist, but you don't know what they are or how to or how to actually define them. Well, yeah, as opposed that, to that's 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 why. Well, I mean, that's well, that's well, that's why philosophy exists, right? I mean, that's that's the entire study of philosophy, right? It's it's studying what are morals and how can yeah, we generally decide, philosophers like, have a view like they actually say this is how you get a more like they have like a, a system that articulates well, yeah. why x is moral and why y isn't but, but it seems like yeah. you don't have one you just you just seem to be just saying in general they must exist somewhere i don't know what they are or how to get uh, how to actually but, but do you think get that maybe well, it's in you're maybe conflating um morality with ethics i think like we live in well, i mean a society obsessed with ethics, but when it comes to morality, it seems that morality has been shelved to the private sphere. But you're saying that maybe this distinction between public and private is complicated, or maybe it shouldn't exist, but then that would open the door up for a sort of public essentialism via a re-enchantment of like religious life in, in the public square, which well, liberals by and large hate and despise and want to destroy. Sorry, Christos, I know you do, but uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, but I mean, like, in other words, do you, what do you make of like, 
this distinction between ethics and morality, or do you think there's no distinction in that morality? Is something and, and, and look, Dario's shirt symbol. Thank you, Forever Young, one of our great patrons. Patreon.com slash break the rules. Anyway. Nah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't draw a great distinction between there, right? I mean, I think the study of morals is the study of ethics, right? Um, to different degrees. Um, and you can study like different, you can study meta ethics, you can study normative ethics, um, all these kinds of things. There's just like different distinctions, right? Morals is just, I, I think what we call it like colloquially, right? Like when we talk about it. Um, yeah. Uh, well, from, and, from a practical point of view, when you said that you are willing to have other people entertain their own uh, views of uh, what exactly uh, would be considered to be, you know, a human rights and what wouldn't, my concern is not so much about sitting down in the salon like this, for example, and thinking of, you know, how exactly can we define these? This is all good. But in a more practical manner, in a way, wouldn't it let people walk over you? if you were to give them this free reign to define what human rights are, and all of a sudden they're defining it so far away from what you would ever define it as, but their voice is louder and they have a shittier disposition than you, and that's why they will just continue mogging you, like I think a lot of the far left has been mogging a lot of much more reasonable people. And that's like, how, well, do, we, how do we get out of that? That seems to be a pretty big, uh, big situation. Sure. I mean, if I had the answer to that, I would probably be making a lot of money talking online about these things. Uh, I mean, obviously, lots of different people have different approaches. I personally uh, think that um, you can convince people with good arguments and you can convince people by sort of appealing to them and sort of their uh, their or our shared like ethical frameworks. Right? You, I think, like I said, I think if it actually if you actually dig deep down into sort of what drives us i think vast majority of people agree on a set of morals right a vast majority of people agree that you sh you ought not kill somebody um like who isn't about to kill you or whatever mm, right i don't know like for, from hearing some people today uh you know again i don't want to just focus on the far left here but uh they seem to be expressing a lot of uh you know, very uh, violent sentiments regarding people who they believe are uh, literally Hitler. And maybe sure. you could say that, you know, th why blame them if they actually think that the people that, uh, you know, are going to be against them and certain ideas of how to make the Paradox world. Paradox of tolerance, Lev? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Sure. So, 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 yeah. so the answer, so the answer would be, so, so how, how, I'd that question would be, how I would address that question would be that I, I would ask, well, so, so if they're, if they're opposing that they feel that it is justified to kill somebody because they feel like they are in honest danger for their lives, right? Somebody is literally Hitler and about to genocide them, right? I would say, well, we have a disagreement in facts, right? We don't necessarily have a disagreement in, in morals, right? I mean, I am, you, we are factually not Hitler and about to genocide them, right? So, so the question there would be a factual disagreement, not the moral disagreement of you ought not kill somebody who isn't a, a, an active threat to you, right? But are they rational beings? That's, yes. I'm not sure they are. It's like, are they like nobody's trying to kill people on the right. I don't know if a lot of them are even able to hear anything that would come out of your mouth, I don't mouth, know if you're Dario, hearing the, the, or the facts mouth right. Of, or anybody else. I just well, don't think they'd be able to listen. I think that once they know that the that this person is not saying the right combination of words to me, they are my enemy and I must eliminate sure. them or vote for somebody who will eliminate them. Like I really think it That's comes ridiculous. down to that animal animal like logic. I don't know. Like uh Joel, sure. what do you think? 
Oh. Well, I mean, I think the more important view here is like, as it seems like what Dario is saying is that he's just appealing to the fact that, well, I think most people are just moral people inherently and like intuitively they understand what's right and wrong. And so if we just appeal to these intuitions, but like in practice, this is not how anything works because you can have rationalizations of like radically, you know, he just said before that he endorsed like the imperial imposition of a moral framework upon the entire world. <laughs> so if you're going to make decisions about how like invading entire countries over ethical interpretations, I, I think you can just appeal to people's intuitions because people, you know, people can rationalize and historically all kinds of crazy shit has been rationalized, whatever position you take on it. Like, like, so the ability of like normal people's intuitions to actually be rationalized in a coherent manner doesn't exist in any kind of like systematic way. Instead, there's massive amounts of divergence. So even if we have the same intuitions, our intuitions can result in wildly different outcomes. And like, how do you, like you would need to have some kind of like set of like rigorous principles for like how to kind of set up an entire worldview that rather than just appealing to intuitions, you'd have to well, actually say, sure. this is what we believe. And everybody who doesn't dis if you disagrees with this is wrong. This is why they're wrong. And like, you would have to have a very like rigorous and complex framework. And particularly if you know, you want to have imperialism, otherwise you just like basically opening the book for some like demagogue to, to kind of rationalize, you know, invading some country with some shitty moral pretext. But before sure, we I... go on, before oh. I would get Dario and then Christos, um, I just want to say, please, chat, be kinder to Dario, but he's been such a good sport taking your abuse. And Bruce Bogtrotter about uh, the, the huffing gas. Are you saying huffing gas? Is that a racist comment just because Joel's from Australia and you were implying that the Aborigines huff gas? Is that what you're saying, Bruce? So it's like, I don't know. I don't, anyways, Chris, uh, sorry, Dario oh, and then Christos. Yeah. Sure. Oh my uh, God, this chat is amazing. Oh, it's falling apart, falling at the seams. Yes, sure. and by the way, I am not censoring the chat. I'll even post a screenshot. YouTube is I controlled by the Bosnian lobby. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of these arguments on the right are really disingenuous because they just jump to these really fanciful hyperboles of like, oh, you're going to come up with some ethical framework to invade another country next. Nobody's going to do that. People yeah. are going to invade the Nazis if they start annihilating and genociding millions and 11 million people. And yeah, and that's not some Ooh, fanciful. We, we, we have framework. like currently right now, I gave the example of like being in Afghanistan, like the official line given by like, you know, generals of the, of the US military is to protect women's rights. If we leave, the women are going to become oppressed, man. So we've got to like keep our like military. That's not bases. why we're in Afghanistan. We're in Afghanistan because Bin Laden was the pretext for that. Well, no, we're in Afghanistan to to like expropriate their natural resources and like maintain control over them if for geopolitical purposes. But they, so, it's rationalized wait, through this Christos, human rights discourse. Wait, Christos, you're defending the war, the surge? Is that? Can I, can I, I just trying to explain what the rationale for us being in Afghanistan is? I'm not defending it. No, no, I know, but I'm trying to correct the record Bain. because dude is not being accurate. Bane said something. Bane, what did you say, my friend? Anybody else remember Saddam Hussein and how he had all these WMDs and he was killing his own people and we had to go get rid of him? And and they were throwing uh, babies out of the incubators. That was yeah. So when so when Saddam Hussein was executed in two thousand and four, that was seventeen years ago. So why are we still there? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Barack Obama pulled us out. There's a few hundred people there in the embassy. Well, so, just on to, paper, but there's private. You guys military. aren't getting the facts right. And yeah, we went into Af we went into Iraq based upon a lie. Yeah. What's your point? 
because that's an example of what you're talking about of people making up well, rationalizations to invade countries and take their resources which you're saying which is, is wrong we agree that's wrong yeah, but i'm saying that it's done in practice and you're saying no well, no one ever does that well, no do? no no wait wait, wait, wait. So, so again i just i just want to repeat a point right and and the point that you're arguing isn't really a point against the point that i made right because we would agree on what you're arguing Right. So the issue is that you are opposing that I have this fantastical idea that everybody agrees on a set of morals. Right. That isn't that isn't the argument that I made. Right. I, I think I, I, I didn't say that most people agree on a set of morals. Right. I'm not presupposing that even if nobody agreed on uh, on what I would consider to be or what I think are like the ideal morals, they would still be the ideal morals. Right. And I'm not supposing that I know what these morals are, but I'm saying I think that we can study them, right? I think this is what philosophy tends to study, right? But I do think that there are some fundamental truths. That, I do too. Uh, I think there are universal universal yeah, truths that people yeah, can and, agree on. And here is yeah, one. Like right? like, here, here is, like yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, don't murder people. Okay. No, 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 we don't, no, no. We no, we don't we don't need to go that far, right? Wow, this, this, say, is a, this is an incredible take. I can't believe that you think we I, shouldn't murder people or rape babies. No, wait, wait. <laughs> hold on, let Thanks go. for letting me know. Sure. I, I, you're <laughs> the one that's arguing that we can't agree on things like that. Wait, wait, hold on. Let, let Dario go. Dario. I think it's a fundamental truth. That I think it's a fundamental truth that most people inherently desire to maximize their own experience, right? Like to do like their own experiences as best as they can, right? And then you can ask, well, how do we know what like somebody's best experience are? How do they know, right? And then I would just pose the ultimate like reductio there, which is that most people desire to know what their best experience is, right? That's a fundamental truth. Right. And, and I, I would say like those kinds of truths exists in the world. And if we sort of build from there, we can build the moral framework where most people can agree. Right. Well, said. well, well wasn't it a Dostoevsky who uh, wrote about how even when a person would be given a utopia in order to prove themselves to be a human being instead of a piano key, they would intentionally fuck it up. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, the, the problem there is that uh, I'm not sure if people would be well equipped to live in that kind of a utopian environment. And maybe not. Like I said, but, before, maybe, I maybe, but I, maybe that's not an it. But then ipso facto, it wouldn't necessarily be a utopian environment. Right. I mean, if if it necessarily leads to people being more unhappy, then it wouldn't be a utopia. Right. So like I, You're I, a utilitarian. I mean, I, not necessarily. It depends on how you define utilitarianism, I guess. You, you just said, like, what makes people happy or what makes people enjoy their experience or brings people pleasure. This is the justification for... This is utilitarianism, like... Well, I mean, the, the, I, I think that's that's a bit reductive to say. I, I, I would say... I, I go a bit back and forth, but I would say I'm, I'm leaning towards something called uh, threshold deontology. I don't know if you're aware... Um, I think it, it leans up a lot to what some people would consider to be like rule utilitarianism, um, maybe uh, closer aligned. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's just like strictly utilitarianism. Um, I would reject that because I don't necessarily think that's like a realistic philosophy. So you think that like sometimes the moral thing to do actually makes experience less pleasurable? I mean, I do, but I... Well, yeah, I mean, de depends on depends on what it is, right? So, so for example, we can we can say, well, um, if you only uh, get happiness all the time, are you really then happy? Well, how do you know what unhappy is, right? Like sometimes working hard 
for something uh, gives it a better payoff in the end, right? So we wouldn't necessarily say only doing happiness all the time is good, right? But that that's, again, asking the question of like, what maximizes my own personal experience, right? Uh, like so, what gives me the most happiness? But like so wouldn't we, being like, like maybe, but what if maximizing your personal experience means like abusing a whole bunch of other people? Like, like how do you, like why, like on the basis of maximizing your own experience, why should you care about whether it abuses other people or not? I mean, if you so, feel good. Well, well, okay. So let's go to um, Christos then Chaos Prime. Uh, or, or maybe Chaos Prime than Christos. Uh, yeah. The needs of the few outweigh, outweigh the needs of the one. The, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. We have to go for what's the greater good, what makes the most people happy. We have to take a universalist global view. Well, drugs things. make most people happy, Christo. <laughs> True, more Give drugs. Give people drugs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chaos Prime? I'm a libertarian in that way. Give them drugs. Same. Is there a question for me or... Uh... You, you had I actually, I, I'm really enjoying this, but I actually, I had to go to bed. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm no problem. Sorry. Well, Dario, I just wanted to thank you so much for being here, for being for this reverse debate. This was a very enjoyable conversation. Reverse Kundalini debate. <laughs> yes, and I would love to. I would love to have you back. I think there is a lot more ground to uh, to be covered. So, Dario, thank you so much again, brother, for doing this. Thank you, and uh, I enjoyed myself. Thank you, and is there anything and, uh, more you want to show, by the way? I am going to show your Twitter right now. So follow everybody. Uh, follow Dario, D-A-R-O, uh, D-A-R-O. Already followed him. Here we go. Dario Rahim. I'm going to post that in the chat so everybody can see it. Please follow Dario. Oh, please Dario's don't post it in super... that chat. I'm going to get a lot of hate followers now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. In the chat respects Dario. Chat. The yeah. chat respects you, Dario. They think Krista was a fed, but that's a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Krista, are, are you a fed? Are you a not. fed? I'm not, but, sure? uh, but uh, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, the best way to hide his badge is to not show his cam, right? I mean, I'm about the yeah. most anti-cop person you'll ever find, so it makes me laugh. That's why you're a fed. You're, you're the guy who's actually encouraging a lot of the uh, seditious activity like they did with the Black Panthers back in the day. They got a bunch of, uh, you know, feds in there and then... A I'm an agent provocateur, no doubt exactly, about it. I'm an agent exactly. provocateur. And then the Fendi Shakur found out, and then they recruited Tupac to also like uh, be part of that whole thing because he used to do ballet back in the day. He had to change his image, <laughs> but after that, you know, he kind of rebelled against the system, and you see what happened to him. Wow, so, you've done some careful, research Krista. on Tupac. Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Tupac respecter. Yes, Joe. I'm a fan too. This is why Biggie will always uh, be the king. Biggie's even better though, for sure. <laughs> even though I'm a West Coaster, True. gotta love Biggie. Mm -hmm. True. Dario, and thank the, you so much for the conversation and the debate and the oh, really good you. arguments. Yeah. And thank listen, you. if, if, if you're if you're super Dario into will like, unite uh... the Balkans. <laughs> True. And uh, yeah, True. so I think this is going to be the conclusion now. So uh, Joel, I am going to link uh, to everything that you have got to offer. So guys, if you are not following Joel Davis yet, go to his Twitter. Follow him right here and also follow Imperium Press, Imperium Cast over here. How long have you been doing Imperium Cast for, Joel? Um, well, only we've only made one episode. Episode two is coming out in the next 24 hours to 48 hours. Excellent. And uh, you are going to be back with us very soon. We are having a conversation with yourself, Logo, Alexander Bard. There is somebody behind you right now, just so you know. Somebody is uh, somebody's in the camera, Joel. There we go. Okay, uh, save that. And uh, let's see. That is Tuesday, April 20th. 
So that's going to be Logo Daedalus, Alexander Bard, and uh, Small Follower, and yourself, and Geo, and me. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, isn't Paul Town also going to be there? Yes, and Paul Town. Yeah. Thank you so much, Geo. Paul Town is going to be there. I am very excited for that. Now, before we also go... Total monster uh, apocalypse let's, stream right Let's there. look at our... <laughs> yes, it is. Let's look at our tally here. So who won? I am seeing uh, Joel Davis. He is... Um, uh, 60.9% and Dario Rahim 39.1%. So there we go. It was 50-50 for a long time, but looks like Joel, you uh, knocked it, uh, knocked it out of the park. And why I'm do glad, you, yeah. Lev? Why do you even do those polls? You know who's gonna <laughs> win? Oh my God! <laughs> People like polls. What could I say? I don't know what to tell oh. you. And uh, Chaos Prime, any final words from yourself uh, upon the conversation? What What do you think? Uh, it was it was interesting. I definitely uh, I, I wish uh, I'd gotten the chance to ask one last question uh, of uh, of Dario of, of like, do we have a reasonable standard for who gets to decide uh, what country we're, what countries we're going to invade and Im impose what moral principles on? But uh, yeah, yeah, maybe next time. Uh, well, there de will definitely be a next time, and I love this comment from Gustavian. Alexander Bard being on here is so fucking weird. <laughs> well this is what we do we bring people together and of course chaos prime you can follow chaos prime on twitter and also would this be a good time to uh, promote your uh, video game as well chaos yeah sure case of, right. uh, of qud.com uh... you made that game I, I work on it i'm, I'm a, a second tier contributor i'm not one of the, the main so you partly made it that's cool i know that game okay cool yeah i mean there it's, we it's, go you know, that game's it's, been it's around not for... yet but we're getting that game's been around for a while though i mean I, yeah and it. it's still in early access <laughs> wow it's still and, in beta uh, yeah we're, we're hopefully gonna have the 1.0 this year so caves of qud yeah i've seen that game some of my yeah. some of my favorite youtubers have played it already and of course we have strictly christo formerly uh as strictly blm and strictly i don't exactly remember what but here it is strictly christo guys follow strictly christo so happy that you made it again. It's always it's always thank a fun time. Thank you for having time. me. Thank you. So there we go, yeah, guys. Thank you. thank you so much for doing this. Uh, next, uh, what do we have next week before we go? Okay, let's see. I am going to have an art stream on my own channel this Monday. It's going to start at 1 o'clock. Here is where you go. YouTube.com slash leftpoliakov. I do not have the link posted yet, but here it is. Follow me on YouTube right now. I mean it. Follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to me on YouTube. Invest in Lev. All that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, I'm going to be drawing my NFT artwork. And uh, it's going to be a great one. I can't wait to show it to you. And then we're going to have for Tuesday, April 13th, Uber Boyo. He's going to be coming in 3.15 p.m. And then Thursday, April 15th, we are going to have Oren McIntyre coming in. So looking forward to that conversation. And then we are going to have another um, argue my point Friday, April 16th, perhaps. I still don't know what it's going to be about. So any ideas, write to me, write on, uh, write on Twitter, write on um, our uh, Discord. Just send us ideas. Who do you want to see being paired up and doing this reverse debate thing? Let us know. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for doing this i appreciate all of you each and every last single one of you this is the end of the stream god bless everybody and uh, i am going to close this right now i just got to grab the thing again subscribe patreon.com okay thank you Gio. thank you yeah, chaos thank you, thank you joel thank you patreon.com slash break the rules
go there or B square. I'm ending the stream. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. God bless. God bless.